Hello everyone and welcome back to the Donkey's Garage for episode 2 of season 2. Uh, in this episode I want to cover uh, the news that have uh, occurred between um, the end of season and up to now. Um, this episode will be a bit more serious than the previous one, that is for granted. Um, as, as, as I said in the in the description of the uh, of episode one of season two, uh, which I did with Lucas, or well, actually he did with me rather, uh, because he was the one who organized it. That was just uh, for the fun. It was we were just um, doing a, a I think in a in a comical way uh, um, an assessment of of the season. I think the um, listening back to it now, I think the 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 comments. The opinions we shared were very accurate uh, overall, but it was certainly a very fun experience, um, very funny overall to do it in this, um, these settings in this way. And I think it provided a bit of a uh, different atmosphere to, to, to the episode itself, and it adds a bit more content to the, to the channel. With that said, um, on, a mo on a more serious note, um, the big the big element that has really shaken the grid up for the 2023, uh, 2023 season indeed um, was the departure of Binotto from Ferrari. Um, for many it was written on the walls, um, a lot of people regarded um, the performance of Ferrari as being critical of the 2022 season, uh, namely because they had the potential at the beginning to have a winning car. They seem to be in a very strong form. And as the season progressed, what we saw was a team that was finding it very, very hard to find its reference points and eventually it collapsed. Um, granted, they were fighting against a very well-oiled well machinery, that is Red Bull, um, but the the pinnacle, uh, I think, became um, as the as the as, as Mercedes raced from from the bottom and was becoming or, or turning to be a, a ever more uh, serious threat to Ferrari's second place in the constructors' championship, and as that happened, and the the mistakes really accumulated um, on on the on the Ferrari's chart. I think Binotto's position as a head of the team was 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 compromised, and as a result, as it is often the case, uh, directors, um, leaders, uh, CEOs, whichever you want to call it, team principals, they are those who are responsible at the end of the day for the performance of the team for the performance of the group, for the performance of the company, and it is them who will eventually pay um, for the bad results. Um, in, in employment law, we, we have a saying that, that um, directors um, are not employees of a company as such, they are rather... Uh, paid on a fee basis, which is 
astronomically superior to what the average salary is in companies because that fee they get um, even when when it is a salary but it is for the high positions of the company it is so uh, much more substantial than the average salary because it represents the degree of authority they have over the team of the management um, of the the working force and that position um, which entails authority also entails responsibility and so these these people are called to to lead a team um, to make it successful and that's I believe always their aim but they will also have to carry this responsibility if one may say so to um, to carry the responsibility when things go wrong and take the fall and that's what, what happens so in companies usually what we see in in, in reality in the, on the ground is that um, directors last far for a uh, far shorter time than than the average employee, the average um, person working in the company uh, under a salary, under a, a wage. And with that uh, reference made to employment law, um, that's really what happened uh, here at Binotum. Uh, as I said, I think earlier in, in season one, I don't think Binotto, um Had a, uh, had a fundamental issue in the approach he he had for the 2022 season. I think the element that really defined his his leadership was that it was a transitioning year. Uh, it was a year where they were coming back from from a very poor poor performance in 2021. Uh, they were almost uh, I think they finished seven back then in the grid, but they were fighting uh, almost for, for 12th position uh, on a regular basis on 2021. And so as they were building up this, this new team um, and they were back at the, at the front of the grid, they, they encountered some issues, some challenges that were inherent to that uh, transition. And that is that um, the mentality, the, the mindset that you have to have uh, at the front is not the same as you may have at the back. I'm not saying that those at the back are slaggy or, or are underperforming, but at the front, everything is taking one step further. And so in, in, knowing that, um, as they were back uh, at the front, these issues um, with, with strategy, with having the right call at the right moment uh, surfaced, they had uh, reliability issues which were... Um, part of, 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 of trying to challenge Red Bull's dominance to trying to, to, to get that ultimate performance, which I think was a, overall, it was a valid uh, attempt. Um, performance, uh, engine reliability, but engine performance are two things that one has to balance. Uh, we've seen it in the past and we've seen it once again this year um, that for instance, in the case of, Re of Renault, uh, the Alpine engine, uh, if you want to call it under the new badge, um, they had an issue with performance uh, over the last two, three years, and they really meant to, to address this issue and to put an end to 
being the least performing uh, engine. And so they really made a step forward in performance, but they very likely sacrificed some reliability in, in the way. And so this is something that, that we see with engine manufacturers. And people will think, well, um, Mercedes doesn't have that issue. Or, or Red Bull doesn't have that issue. Why does Ferrari, why does Alpine have it? Um, I think that, that argument doesn't stand um, for much. Given that, in my opinion, Mercedes has been running for the most part of season 2022, an engine that was performing and as, uh, as uh, best uh, 70%, 80% of its capability. And that is because um, they started with issues that were notorious, namely the bouncing, uh, namely the zero part issue, um, the core card, the W13 being um, just poor in terms of performance, just uncomfortable to drive. Both drivers were complaining, but namely and foremost, uh, Lewis Hamilton. And so I think Mercedes had this approach where they wanted first to tackle the issue of the car itself, um, limit bouncing, limit the, the whole aerodynamics around the car, and then um, go for the performance of the car in terms of, of lap times. And so at the beginning of the year, they were really, I think, using a, a mode, an engine mode that was more on the safety side, on the cautious side, than on the performance side. And that's why they, they, they were, were so reliant, reliable over the whole uh, season. All these other teams using the Mercedes um, engine were not so lucky as Mercedes was. So I think if you compare it to, to, the, to the rest of, of um, teams using the same engine, we might have some indications that this is the case. Mercedes was using a, an engine mode that was a bit less um, powerful. Uh, in order to preserve the engines and to really uh, nurse them to, uh, so as to finish the season within the uh, engines uh, allowed. Um, and with regards to Red Bull, I think the, the argument uh, goes back to 2014, 2015, 2016, as they were struggling very, very, very seriously with reliability issues. It was not until Red Bull had the say on the, on the thing that uh, Honda got a grasp over the reliability issues, uh, namely they were helped by an Austrian company um, that is known for making engines and that provided Honda with the guidance to make a fast, a very fast engine, but also a very reliable engine. Um, some of the issues they had season with uh, the engines uh, were not so much with the engine itself with the, the power unit but with um, components that are then added to the engine such as the um, petrol um, pump uh, which was faulty at the first at the opening uh, race in Bahrain in 2022 
With that in mind, um, there isn't much more to say on, on, on this engine topic, but coming back to, to Binotto, he was um, made to take the fall for the whole team, for the mistakes that happened, for the, for the um, miscalculations. And overall, he had to leave. Um, people like my mother were very, very... Uh, felt very strongly that he he performed very poorly, that he had to go. My opinion, I will reinstate it, I will reiterate it, um, is that he did a fairly good job, especially at keeping continuance, at maintaining peace, calm, within Ferrari, which is something that rarely happens. Uh, over the last 10 years, they had a, a nightmare of a team where every position was changing within a few months, within a few years, and that is not something you want to have. In a team, you want to have stability. I have said it a million times, but that is the key in Formula 1. Teams that are successful are those who have stability, namely Christian Horner, namely uh, Toto Wolf and, the, and the, the guys surrounding him, of course, with uh, Christian Horn, I mean you, I mean um, the engineers, I mean the, the top management, I mean everyone. You need, uh, at, at the driver's level, stability, you need at the, at the leadership um, level, stability, and you need at the engineering uh, level, stability. And Ferrari is, is, is unfortunately not a good example in that in that regard. Uh, neither is Alpine for that matter, neither is Aston Martin, um, unfortunately, for the last two years, um, three years. But um, there is hope. Williams is falling on the same side. McLaren was in that situation over um, the Eric Bouillet's time with uh, Ron Dennis for his last um, years at McLaren. They've gone back into, into, into the good track with stability. Unfortunately, as I will say later, McLaren was hit um, almost below the belt with the premature departure of Andreas Seidel, uh, who would be team principal until 2022. Um, well, I mean, it's, stability is something important. Binotto was... I think fairly good at, 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 at providing that to the team. He was a calm personality. He knew how to to not not to overreact to to every scenario. Uh, perhaps he was not feisty enough when it came to to managing the the public media, uh, to managing the other teams. Perhaps you needed someone a bit more bitey, someone that would go a bit more on 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 the uh, on the fight to engage on a fight um, with the other team principals in order to really protect and to fence off your team against attacks against um, bullying because that's essentially what happens in Formula 1 and so um, the conclusion of all these is that he was paid a gardening fee to prevent him from joining a, another team um, within one year so he won't be around the paddock for at least one season um, with that said it is 
it has become known that a fair number of teams approached him. They wanted to uh, be noted to join the ranks. What is true about that? I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure he had offers. Um, I'm not sure Binotto is the kind of characters that would jump uh, ships to a rival team. Uh, and, And to most of you, maybe this sounds incohesive um, on account that at the end of the day you're a bit of a mercenary when you are a team principal you change you go whatever you're paid best and allegiance as such is not a term that applies well in Formula 1 and that would be true I think in most cases uh, Team principals have no allegiance whatsoever to the team they're working for, um, except for the duration of their contract of their engagement with the team. But it's I think it's also true that the passion that one has, that one experiences uh, working for Ferrari, is a different sort of a different sort of um, feel than working for any other team. Ferrari has this allure, that has this history that really binds the people, I think, in, in, a, in a more spiritual way than it would to all the teams. Um, with, I am, for instance, thinking if I were employed by one of the other teams, I would feel str- very strongly um, linked with the destiny of the, of the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the success of the team for as long as I am part of the team. But when you change, your, your duties then have to, to be towards your new employer. But with Ferrari, there is this connotation, this, this, this side to it that Ferrari is something bigger. It's almost like a religion. And so somebody as Binotto that has grown and has aged, has, has seen all his career happen at Ferrari. He started when he was just a young lad, straight out of university as an engineer. He went through all the years uh, up to, to now. Uh, he, he, he raced all, he, well, I mean, he, he went through all the positions. He was part of the glorious years of Ferrari during uh, Michael Schumacher era. He was part in the harsher times in 2014, uh, 2010 to 2014. Then he, he was part of the team all the way till 2022. So it's a lot of years invested. It's almost 30 years in a company that has almost become your family, I think, at that point. And so the destiny of, the, of, of Ferrari is, I, I guess, it would feel part of your, of your destiny as such. It's part of your identity. Who is Mattia Binotto? He is a Ferrari engineer. He's not just a team principal, but he's a Ferrari member, a member of the family. And 
perhaps it's something that is is more um, important. Is something that is, we attribute more more a connotation in the south. But f this family aspect, this family feeling, has a very strong value in 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 this in in the southern society. Especially, we know that Italy. Um, the Italian society uh, as well, I think the Spanish society, uh, the Greeks um, way, they're all, all very um, arranged ar around the, the, the idea of, of, the, of the family. So uh, just to, to give you perhaps a reference that, that some of you might know from, 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 from a movie in in the movie with Nick Lauda and James Hunt, Rush, uh, when Nicky Lauda joins uh, Ferrari, I think there's a couple of scenes that are interesting in that he doesn't join a team as such. He joins a group of people that really act like a family in that he goes to the, these gatherings, these strings, where he actually uh, met his wife. Uh, no, no, he didn't meet his wife there, but he would eventually encounter her there um, uh, again before yeah, ever being with her. Um, so that the, even when when he criticized the 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 T um, the and the car and model, I can't remember. It was T something T T hundred and something. Um, when he criticizes the Ferrari uh, car for the 1975-74 season, he says it's a piece of trash, uh, that it's too slow, that the engine is, is too heavy, blah, blah, blah. The way his comments come across to the Ferrari engineers is like, you're insulting us. Not, not so much the, the car itself, but you're insulting you know, the, 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 the work that we have put into it, that we as a family, it's a bit of a, you know, pride comes in, into, 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 into play. And that is perhaps the, the element I was missing in, in this argument is that pride is associated. Family, pride and honor, all these are, are aspects that are, are part of the, of the Ferrari lifestyle, if you like. And so I don't see Ferrari um, be not to leave, um, going to another team and, and, and leaving that that behind. If he does, good for him. Um, I am sure that wherever he goes, he will do an amazing job. Um, because, I mean, there is no doubt he's a very talented engineer. I have no doubt about that. Perhaps he's not the best um, team manager because he's not much of a people's person. Um, he's not as as acute in, in 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 managing the media, managing the social side of a team as Jean Todt was maybe, or as Toto or Christian are, uh, for that matter. But he's an uncanny engineer. And I think the resurgence of Ferrari in the 2022 season in terms of performance uh, can be attributed to him in a very large portion to his leadership in terms of engineering, of course. Um, 
with that in mind, coming back to the previous argument, wherever he goes, if he ever goes to another team, I'm sure at heart he will always smile for a Ferrari victory. That's something that is ingrained in you. And you can be an Aston Martin uh, member, you can be part of Mercedes, you can be part of, of, I don't know, Haas, you can be part of anything whatsoever. When Ferrari wins, he will shine too. He will smile and he will feel something inside as, as akin to, to pride and to, uh, to pride and happiness for, for, for his family, for, for the team he's put so many hours into. Um, and with Binotto's uh, aspect over, it's time to mention who has taken his role. It's now Frédéric Vasseur um, who's taken over the job. Um, Frédéric Vasseur, yes, he used to be in Alfa Romeo. Um, what do I think about him? Well, I'm not very happy with this decision. Um, why, why Frédéric Vasseur? Well, for that, maybe we have to go back to why Binotto was dismissed in the first place. All the reasons I gave are, are certainly a good reason. Performance, uh, leadership, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, there was a ra rising tension between Charles Leclerc and Mattia Binotto, or at least so it is allegedly claimed by the media. They have said that Leclerc was not so happy, a bit discontent with Binotto's management in terms of the two drivers, him and Carlos Sainz, that he felt that he should have been given the victory at occasions or at least given priority at a certain occasions, namely uh, becoming frustrated in the British GP at Silverstone uh, when Carlos Sainz won and Charles Leclerc felt Carlos Sainz should have should have ceded the position, um, switched the positions. Uh, another uh, moment, perhaps of of, of very very uh, high tensions was Brazil, where he insisted that Carlos Sainz should drop about four seconds for him to be able to overtake him when he was notoriously slower and with Fernando Alonso just uh, under a second behind him. And the team said, no, um, we are keeping it as it is. Apparently that frustrated the Charles Leclerc. And, and so um, as it returned out, the media say that he he became discontent with Binotto and he eventually pushed or rally 
rallied for, for Binotto to be replaced with, with another team principal. And of course, that team principal should be somebody in that case that would be of his convenience. And that would be no other than Frederick Vasseur, who was the, was the man, was the team principal that, that brought him to Ferrari in, in the first place that really made his dream possible because he uh, put him in Alfa Romeo in 2016, gave him a shot at Formula One um, and really nursed him all the way up to the Ferrari stage. So Frederick Vasseur was his go-to person. There were other people involved uh, in the shortlist for, for replacing Binotto, but Frederick Vasseur came on top. And I'm sure that Charles Leclerc is very happy with that decision, whether or not he was the man behind uh, orchestrating Binotto's replacement. But the fact is, he will be very happy with seeing Frederick Vasseur, team principal of Ferrari. He knows he has a, a, an ally, so to speak, now. Um, he's got somebody that he, that he trusts and he's and uh, the team, team principal has now at least one driver that he knows he can count off on. Uh, Charles Leclerc was was the was the author of the revival of Alfa Romeo uh, during the two seasons he he participated in, in in the team. He was really the man that brought the team somewhere that made it happen and. And so it is. I mean, there, there are no 50 ways to explain this. Uh, Carlos Sainz's position now in the team, I think, is, is substantially weaker uh, in that the team principal knows he can trust Charles Leclerc, has a, has a past with him, has his, this special bond. And Carlos Sainz has got absolutely nothing. Um, all he's got is to go back to square one and build that trust relationship again. A team where Leclerc's ego is beyond narcissistic, is beyond imaginable. He can only see himself as, as Ferrari and nobody can win but him. And I think overall, Carlos Sainz, place within the team is, is strongly affected. Um, that is something to follow closely, whether he's got a future of Ferrari from now on. On the bright side for Carlos Sainz is maybe the news that Audi will join um, Formula One in 2026. Uh, their involvement is becoming uh, more and more notorious uh, up until then, they will provide financial support, probably pro technical support also. And from 2026, they will become a team and a engine manufacturer. And knowing that Carlos Sainz Sr. is very strongly linked to the brand Audi because of his um, belonging in the Dakar, in, the, in rallying, Maybe he finds a way to convince the leadership of Volkswagen to take take up um, Carlos Sainz 
as a driver for for the team in 2026. They added him. I don't know. Maybe that's that's a possibility. Um, I think this season is is in a is a is a very a delicate very delicate one for Carlos Sainz, who will have to to be at his best in order to to really show that that regardless of how strong of how big uh, narcissistic Charles Leclerc's ego can be, that he's got a place in the team and that he can bring victories just as much as him. Um, and yeah, there isn't much more to say about Ferrari. I mean, the, the, there was a lot to say about Ferrari, but as I say, um, nothing is written on the stars. We have to wait and see how the whole thing unveils. My biggest concern during this uh, period has been how long it took Ferrari to dismiss Binotto and to replace him with Frederick Vasseur, knowing that every day counts, that every second matters. In Formula 1, where performance is measured and, and measured, among other things, by by leadership, by strong leadership, people knowing where they're, what they're doing, not being idle, and so on. And in a tick, almost a month to name him, it was a long time, and it's a long, especially long time if you have no direction uh, within the team. I hope that the transition was well planned. Knowing Binotto, I'm sure that he left everything well organized so that the work would be already kind of channeled and that there would be no um, period in which the team would be lost. But no matter how, how well you organize this, there's always going to be a, to be a overlapping period that you might get a bit lost, that you might get a bit of uh, lose the momentum and that's the kind of thing that then translates badly into performance uh, for the for the next season. Also, um, officially, Frederick Vasseur's first day was was yesterday, which that makes it the eleventh, the the ten or eleventh. I think it was. I think it was the eleventh, January twenty twenty three, which means that for a long, long period, there wasn't a man leading the pack, and. That is something that you just can't afford. I mean, I know I, 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 I am willing to bet whatever you want that Toto Wolf, Christian Horner, they've been leading the pack every single second since Abu Dhabi um, last season. Every single second so as to maximize the performance of every team member all the way up until season uh, testing. It's, it's just something that, that is gutting, but Binotto's dismissal really trick, uh, triggered a cascade effect. Uh, in the meantime, the position at Alfa Romeo became vacant, so Alfa Romeo had to find a new team principal, and that that opening triggered 
uh, Andreas Seidel to leave McLaren and to join Alfa Romeo, which is something that Zach Brown won't be very happy about uh, because he loses a one of the of the of the key figures in the team. Of the, it's almost like a, a queen in in chess um, can move in every direction, which an essential um, player. It's it's surprising, perhaps, to read that Andreas Seidel had already warned, given notice to Zach Brown that he would change the fact if you wanted. He would change teams. Uh, he would leave the team in 2025 at the end of his contract. But then he was uh, relieved of his duties um, for the 2023 season as the um, position of CEO of the Alfa Romeo Sauber team um, became vacant. Not really sure how they're going to organize it. Um, Stella, uh, Andrea Stella is the new team principal for McLaren, so they've really been quick in, in, in preserving that continuance in McLaren. They wanted no um, gap in between one and one uh, team principal and, the, and another, which I think is a very good uh, way of approaching the situation. Williams um, also saw his team principal uh, Josh Capital leave the the person taking over the job hasn't been named yet. Some people said it would be Susie Wolf that would take the reins, or Jensen Button, uh, former F1 driver. That hasn't been confirmed for the time being. So big things happening, which leaves I think. Um, Red Bull in a stronger position than ever in spite of the limited use of the wind tunnel for the 2023 season on account of their infringement on the budget regulation. Um, uh, Niue, the engineer, um, lead engineer, the star, the, the god of engineers, uh, at Red Bull said, Adrian Niue said that the reduction in, in the wind tunnel will really affect Red Bull performance and that will really bunch Ferrari and Mercedes um, towards competing them, towards uh, the performance in, in, in the grid. That's, that's probably something true. Um, no, no, I think that no doubt there will be, they, all, they will all be, be very close in terms of performance. But it, it's nice for Red Bull as a counterpart to have Ferrari in this um, mayhem situation, a bit lost, a bit, a bit of a of a chaotic uh, scenario. Because in the meantime, while Ferrari is too busy working out who is who is in charge, uh, in the meantime, while Frederick Vasseur is instituting his modes of work, his his way of. Of, of, of approaching um, the task of, of uh, instituting leadership, blah, blah, blah. All the management um, jargon that is very known to, to people in, in those positions. Um, Red Bull has been able to keep working on their projects, on their wind, uh, on their wind tunnel, blah, blah, blah. 
and Mercedes in the meantime have been able to keep working 100% uh, with 99% efficiency, um, combined English and German efficiency, which when combined are absolutely um, unbeatable. I mean, if you put British magic um, with German engineering, I think the only... There is there aren't that many other combinations that can work so well. Uh, maybe maybe American and, and English, um, but then there are tensions that arise there in terms of uh, pride. The Americans being very very attached to their pride. The British very very attached to their pride, of course. And the Germans, they're attached to their pride, but their, 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 their approach is a bit more work-focused. So I think the best combination is, is perhaps German and English. French and American is, is a good one too, although they might end up fighting over the baguettes. Uh, <laughs> and the Americans thinking um, that their sandwich is, is way better, no need for baguette. I don't know. Um, whatever that is, all the teams that that well, they haven't changed uh, team principles. Of course, has uh, Aston Martin keeping continuous um, stability. Good for them with the um, with the leadership they 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 had to come up with after Otmar uh, left for Renault last season, which was a bit of a weird situation. Um, Matt is doing a good job at Aston Martin. He's got a new driver this, this season. Uh, with Alonso joining the team, they've already from January first he was part of the team. So he started to work on the on the simulator on on developing the car, uh, seat uh, fitting, blah blah blah. All those things are now are starting to really um, get into 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 place. Uh, Gasly also moved to to Alpin, which means uh, Odmar will now have uh, the, the two drivers up and running. Um, he can start working 100% towards uh, developing the car as suited to both of them. Um, they can go on, on the uh, simulator and really tune the, the car to what they, they really want, uh, each driver. And at last, AlphaTauri, that hasn't changed at all. Uh, but the drivers, Nikki Tsunoda uh, remaining and the new driver, Nick De Vries, who will join the team uh, as, a, as a new member. An incredible driver, I've said it already. Absolutely staring driver. And I am sure he will do an, a fantastic job. Um, just uh, another piece of news was the fact that um, Andrea uh, Andretti and Cadillac responded positively to the FIA's call for interest for for bids for new teams to join the grid to extend the grid to 12 teams um, in the upcoming years probably uh, from 2026 onwards as soon as 2024 maybe but I doubt it and I will dedicate a separate um, episode to that because there's a lot to talk I think uh, and it would be a shame to extend this one any longer than necessary it's already 44 45 minutes 
And by now, some people will probably be fallen, have fallen asleep. Uh, so no need to, to really continue to make it any longer. Uh, on that account, I just want to congratulate Carlos Sainz, a senior, on his uh, Dakar experience. He did an, an amazing job winning the first stage. Uh, and then the Audi team seemed to have suffered from all the worst nightmares they could hope for. They had a lot of um, accidents, uh, engine failures, um, car failures, a lot of things that really put them behind. And eventually, um, on the ninth stage of the Dakar, Carlos Sainz had, a, had an accident that, coming off a cliff, he the car really kind of went with the front first uh, on the ground, hitting the ground really hard. Carlos Sainz, uh, well, I mean, his, his race was terminated there. The car was, was, was a wreck. He was, um, the helicopter came uh, to, to really take them back to base. Although midway uh, through the ride, he told the helicopter to go back to the car and let him take the car back and nurse it back to, 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 to base. And that's what they did, him and his um, teammate. They managed to go back. His um, co-pilot being Lucas Kruth, um, they both made it back to base uh, in good shape. Thankfully, they, they didn't suffer any injuries. And so the experience, the Dakar experience for 2023 is over. It's absolutely amazing um, what they're doing. I mean, Carlos Sainz, he's a man with a certain age now. Um, I think he's 64, 65. I mean, it's incredible that he's still on a position with with a will even to participate in this kind of um, race. It's a really demanding race. He's 60 years old. Um, it's a really demanding race, and it really requires 100% of your of your strength. And uh, with that in mind, um, well, I wish luck to everyone at the Dakar. Atia, who is uh, now leading the pack. Uh, litting the the uh, the lit boards. Uh, I'm I mean he's an incredible driver. I'm sure he's gonna have a, a blast of a of a Dakar. Um, all of them they're doing an amazing job. And well, I don't want to extend this any any further. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, as always, please uh, hit the subscribe button, the following button, whatever it's called. Uh, leave a comment if you will, if you want. If you want to participate in the podcast, please let me know. You know how to find me um, using either Instagram or my phone number or email, whatever. Uh, you, can, you can contact me. Um, and with that, thank you very much again. Have a good day. And I will come back for another episode on the uh, new team saga uh, shortly. Shortly. Thank you very much and have a good day. Wow.